What's up? And welcome in to MCC Online. I'm so glad for everybody who's joining us today. It's awesome to be with you. Thank you for wherever it may be that you're joining in with us here online. It's great to be with you today. Hey, as you've been doing, as you've been watching these things, if you're a a member of MCC, you're an attender of MCC, I want to invite you to go ahead and like uh, the post, comment on the post. That's what that section is there for you to tell us kind of where you're in, where you're coming from, what you're going on, what kind of coffee you're drinking, and stay engaged, not just kind of right now, but even all the way through. That's a great place to do that. It's also a place where if there are things that we as a church can be praying for you about, that's a great place to do that. And then there's a special group of people who I want to talk to if you're watching this today. And it's the group of people who may be watching this for their very first time, joining in with something that is related to MCC, whether it's a sermon, something on our Facebook page. If today is your first time doing that, I want to invite you to over in in the comment section or even in the post description, there's a link in there that will take you to essentially what is an online connect card. It's a simple place where we're not going to bother or badger you, but it's a place where we can get to know you and help you get connected to the family of faith that is here at MCC. So I got a question for you right off the bat. Um, There's been a lot of uh, great television that has came out uh, over the course of this pandemic and our quarantine. Uh, Some people have gone crazy uh, about this show with some tigers in it. Uh, You you guys know about that. I'm sure you've kind of heard about that, all you cool cats and kittens out there. Uh, Another one that has just started that I am much more excited about is called The Last Dance. And no, it's not a Dancing with the Stars type of thing. It is a Michael Jordan documentary. How many of you have heard or have even watched the Last Dance documentary. Just let us know in the comments. So this has been awesome to watch this Last Dance documentary. One of my favorite things about watching Michael Jordan and understanding the story of his life, kind of from what he came out of and who he became as, in my opinion, one of the greatest athletes of all time, it's been wild to see that there was nothing that was incredibly physically imposing about Michael Jordan. For those of you, if you've kind of watched the thing, Michael Jordan was only six foot six tall, which is, you know, way taller than I am. But at the end of the day, the league average in the NBA is six foot seven. So he's actually a below average NBA player as far as height goes. But as I've been watching this documentary, man, what I have seen is that there was this unstoppable force on the inside of him, this unstoppable hunger to be the greatest ever, to stop at nothing to win. And this, in my opinion, has made him what is one of the greatest athletes of all time. So I'm curious, in the comment section below, before we dive into the word, I'd love to even know your opinion. In the comments, we can get a little bit of a sports argument going. Who do you think is the greatest athlete of all time? Put that down there in the comments and we'll, we'll, we'll see who, who is and we'll make fun of each other later on at the dumb things that, that people say and how wrong they may be. So we got a guy like Michael Jordan and, and even the guys who you're commenting or the girls that you're commenting or the women that you're commenting on, they're in the post. Here's the deal though. Every one of these world's greatest athletes, they had a physical presence that was undeniable. But what made them the greatest in your opinion or my opinion, wasn't just their physical abilities. It was something on the inside that made them an unstoppable force on a baseball field, on a football field, on a soccer field, on a lacrosse field. There was something on the inside that made them unstoppable. I think that, maybe even more than their physical abilities, is what draws us and enamors us with athletes. Because I think when we look in the mirror, 
we wish there was something unstoppable about us. We wish we were just an unstoppable mom and we could make, you know, banana zucchini bread and, and just crush it. And we had our kids looking A plus like it was picture day every single day. And we wish we were an unstoppable salesman and we just made quota after quota and one salesman of the month and salesman of the year and all these other types of things. There's something in us that longs to be unstoppable. But what about in regards to your faith? Like, is, is there something inside of you that says, I want to have a faith that doesn't get stopped by the things of life, the things of this world, even my own things? What about you right now? What is it maybe that is, is stopping your faith in Jesus? And maybe for you, you're like, hey, my faith in Jesus has never started, which if you're there, thank you for joining in on this. Thank you for doing this. Man, I believe that today's message may unearth some things about who Jesus is that may help you understand a little bit more about who he is and how much I believe he really cares about you. But what is it? What's that thing that is stopping you? See, what we're going to dive in today is the book of Acts. And we're going to see how Jesus gives his people... This unstoppable gift, this powerful gift, and this gift enables them to personally have a faith that is unstoppable, but then collectively, this gift that he gives them, it allows them to kickstart this movement that is the gospel movement, that is the church even right now, that is still going even right this very moment. So if you've got a Bible, I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 2, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John Acts chapter 2, that's where we're going to be. Grab your Bible and go there. Before we dive into the Word, I, I'd love to, to pray with you. So if you, if you would, uh, let's kind of silence some of the stuff going on in the comment section. Let's take a second and let's just go to God. Because here's the thing that we're going to discover about this group of people who received this gift that God had for them. They had positioned their bodies and, I believe, their hearts to receive the gift. And so as we pray today, that's what I hope you're praying for yourself. That you would be in a position to receive what I believe Jesus wants to give you this morning, this evening, whatever time you may be watching this. I pray that you're able to receive what he has for you. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that we have your word and we have these stories that in the midst of the chaos and the confusion and the trials and tribulations of our own lives, we have your word to be able to come in and meet us where we are. And Jesus, I pray that for everybody who's listening today, that they know that they're here for a reason, that they clicked for a reason, that they're, that they're engaged for a reason, and that you have a word that you want to give for them. And in the same way that you gifted your people with the Holy Spirit, we beg your Holy Spirit to enter in the homes, the cars, the workplaces, to enter into these sacred places today and not just stay in the midst of those places, but find its way into the hearts of the people within those places. We ask, we beg, we hope for these things in your name. Amen. So today, as we dive into God's Word together, we're going to be primarily looking at the story of what happened on the day of Pentecost. We're going to spend, really, the majority of our time looking at what happened when the Holy Spirit fell on the people who were starting the church. So if you've got a Bible, you can go there. We're going to learn four things today. We're going to learn four things that essentially point to us about what we can learn about the Holy Spirit 
from the Pentecost. So if you're taking notes, go ahead and mark one, two, three, four, and that's what we're going to dive into and learn about today. And I wanted to teach you this today because like we discussed last week, the group of people who are getting, to re- getting ready to have this gift of the Holy Spirit given to them, they're a group of people who, guys, we have more in common than we may realize. Th- this group of people who are some of Jesus' closest followers, this is all post-resurrection. Jesus has gone to the cross. He's resurrected from the grave. He showed up to these guys for about around 40 days, and he, he's been with them. And, and then he takes this group made up of, of close uh, followers that were men, most close followers that were women, and he's there with these guys, and he says, guys, I listen, listen, I need you to go shelter in place in Jerusalem. Go, go, go to Jerusalem. Don't go back home. Go to Jerusalem. Get you yourself an Airbnb and wait in Jerusalem until I come and I give you the Holy Spirit and it comes on you in power. He says, go there and wait. And so there are a group of people who very much like us are experiencing anxiety, confusion, and fear around what their future is going to look like. But then in steps, Jesus. Let's open up and see what he says. If you've got a Bible, Acts 2, we're going to start in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. All right, so we got to unpack this. Obviously, again, you know, we talked about there's a lot of miraculous things that happen in, in the book of Acts. And so we got to understand, one, the miraculous things are not the point, but they're awesome. And so we got to understand what they're pointing to. Okay, so first off, Pentecost. What in the world is Pentecost? So Pentecost was 50 days after the Passover, hence Penta. Uh, Pentecost, and what it was celebrating was this big festival that celebrated the time in between the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. And when I talk about festival, uh, a party, probably a better word to call it is party. Like it was more like a just, you know, everybody got together. It was a big celebration. It was a big party. There was alcohol involved. It was a time, there was a celebratory time where a lot of people would make their way into one central location. I mean, you can even kind of think Mardi Gras type of party. And this is what's happening there in Pentecost. And so in the midst of this party, this group of around 120 people, continuing of the 12 disciples, and now they've replaced Judas. He committed suicide. They've replaced him. Mary, uh, Jesus' mom is there. Mary Magdalene's there. We we can imagine that uh, Salome, one of the other uh, women who was there, who saw Jesus' empty tomb, they're all there, a part of this group of people. They're meeting in this home. The Bible says they're continually praying And they're meeting there. And I want you to understand one thing. And this is where people get confused. A lot of people like go crazy when we start talking about the Pentecost and tongues of fire. Depending on your church background, you're getting super fired up about this. You've got your tambourine out and you're ready for us to get into it. Uh, Hold your horses. We're probably not going there today. But what's beautiful about this is the word like. And I think this is a good word for us. It's a good word for us to remember. In verse 2 it says, suddenly they... A sound like a blowing of a wind. What I want you to understand is when they are recording what was actually happening there, they didn't even have words to put to what was happening right now. It, like it is so mind blowing what happened in this moment that they can only describe kind of what it's like. They can't find anything to really say this is what it was because nothing is like what it was. They're just grasping at the closest thing that they can use to describe it. The other thing that's beautiful about this is the Holy Spirit comes and it filled the house. And as we prayed earlier, I wish that the Holy Spirit right now would come and fill your house. 
right where you are. I think that's what's beautiful about us diving into this right now and you being even in a home right now is this hope that the Holy Spirit did not just enter into a place that was a building of a church or, or a temple, that the Holy Spirit, when it started out, like when it initiated what would be the church, the place that it filled up first was not a First Baptist, was not a First Methodist, was not a temple, was not some sort of shrine that had even been set up outdoors. It entered into a home, a place where people ate dinner, a place where people raised kids, a place where people made love, a place where people did life. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes because the thing about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is not something that's given for some special time. The Holy Spirit is something that's given for a lifetime to affect every aspect of living. And so we see here, and the first thing that we learn, if you're taking notes, is this. The first thing we learn about the Holy Spirit from Pentecost is that he is a house hunter. Here's what I mean by that. The Holy Spirit is a house hunter. And and let me explain it like this. If you read your Bible cover to cover, what you'll understand is this part in Acts 2 is not the first time the Spirit of God shows up and is on display. Again, God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, existed all the way into eternity future. There was never a time when there was not all three. It was always God, always Jesus, always the Spirit. They have always been, as far as you could go back into the past, they were there. As far as you can go into the future, they're going to be there. But what you got to understand is up until this moment, the Holy Spirit has only just worked on people. If you go back and you read through the Psalms, you see that the, the Spirit was on David. You see that the Spirit was on Elijah, that the Spirit was on the prophets, that the Spirit was on these guys. And over and over again throughout the Old Testament, you see the Spirit of God working on people. The difference that you see in this moment, and this is why I say the Holy Spirit is a house hunter. He becomes not just something, not just someone who is working on other people. He becomes someone who is now working in someone, someone like me. Someone like you. And what's beautiful about this is this is fulfilling what Jesus talked about in John 14, 23. If you've got a Bible, you can go there. This is what it says in John 14, 23. Jesus was talking. He says, anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come and make our home with him, with her. I mean, did you just hear that and just go like mind-blowing craziness? Like, if I love God... And if I obey what he's saying, and if my faith is in him, then literally God himself comes and makes a home in me. Like sometimes I think we just read over this stuff and we're like, man, uh, yeah, that's cool. Like God's home in me. And we're like, but wait a minute, what in the world? He's making his home in me? And it's God? Like, what is that? And I think there's got to be this sense of awe and wonder and there's this sense of wanting to figure out what in the world that means. And let's spend a lifetime as God's people figuring out what does it mean to have God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, be at home inside of my life. And I think so many times we've just gotten okay and we're just trying to like, okay, I'm just going to go do the things that I think a Christian can do and we forget that the Holy Spirit has made a home inside our hearts. I heard this song this morning as Jessica and I were, we were, we were sitting down, we were doing our quiet time, and man, the lyrics just, um, they resonated with me because I've been thinking through and praying through all of this. Uh, it's by a band called Maverick City Music. It's this collective of uh, worship musicians actually here uh, in Atlanta, and they wrote a song 
called My Heart, Your Home. I wanted to read some of the lyrics to you. I think it'd be a great thing. Uh, after this is over, you go on YouTube, you search it again, Maverick City Music. The song is called My Heart, Your Home. But here's one of the lyrics that really stuck out to me, and I wanted to read it to you. It says, temples built with hands, laid with precious stones, but all along you wanted to make us your treasured home. Mansions made of men can touch the sky from earth, but still your house of choice was broken vessels made of dirt. So make my heart your home. All that's mine is yours. I heard that this morning and I was like, that, that is beautiful. And that is to lyrics and to poetry. What I believe I'm trying to communicate to you today is that the Holy Spirit is looking, not just going, ah, yeah, I, I need a place and I want a place, but the Holy Spirit is looking to make not just an impact on your life, but to make an impact in and through your life. And it's my hope that you'll allow him to do that. Keep going in the, in the passage. Come to Acts chapter 2, verse 3. So the Holy Spirit has entered in. There's this big, giant wind. They're all freaking out. In verse 3, it says, They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. So to make matters more crazy, yes, they were sounding like this you know, you know, freight train coming through wind, like this tornado, gale force wind coming through. And it says this, coming from heaven, which is kind of strange to think about. When most of the time when you think about wind, wind is blowing side to side. If they're describing this as a wind that's coming from heaven, it's almost as if this is something that is coming down on them. And if you're in a home with a roof, that's really freaking you out. And so to make matters even more crazy, there's this fire. Fire comes in, it divides out, and it rests on top of their heads. And the thing that we learn about the Holy Spirit through Pentecost and seeing this is that his sound precedes his sight. When we, when we see what's happening here between the wind and the fire, what we learned is that the sound of the Holy Spirit is actually what precedes the visible light, the fire, the sight of him coming in and even resting on the heads of the people who are there. To put it a different way, what I want you to understand about the Holy Spirit here is he is invisible before he is visible. And see, I, I don't know about you, but man, when I think about my own life and as someone who's follower of Christ and I believe the Holy Spirit, so many times in my own life, I want on my life there to just be these visible displays of the Holy Spirit. Like I want people to notice my joy, notice my, my peace, notice my patience, notice my kindness. I want people to see these visible displays of the fruit of the Spirit in my life. But what's crazy to think about, when you actually look about how the Holy Spirit comes and how he initiates here even in this moment, the reality is, guys, if I want to see and if you want to see and if we want to see these visible displays, these visible proofs of the Holy Spirit, then it starts with the invisible things that we'll do in our faith. Because when you think about wind, wind is something, and Jesus when talking to, to a guy who was curious about his faith, he said, well, you believe in the wind, right? You can't see the wind. You can see the wind's effects on things. So you don't just say, if I don't see it, I can't believe it. Because you do believe in the wind because you can see what it affects. And so we see the wind come in. And, and the wind is, again, something that's invisible. They can hear it, but they can't see it. And on top of that, you have fire. And if you know anything about wind and fire, you know that the combination, the worst possible time to, to start a fire is in windy conditions. Because that is the perfect recipe for a forest fire to break out. 
which is beautiful to think about that the Holy Spirit is trying to put on display to say, I am coming and my purpose in coming is for this to go viral, for this to spread, for this to be uncontainable, unstoppable, wildfire that no amount of of water, no amount of darkness, no amount of cold can stop it. And that's this Holy Spirit that we see come in. And I want to I want to try to illustrate it to you like this because man when we start to think about the Holy Spirit like again we made the point last week that when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives it doesn't come in in a half measure that it comes in all the way. But guys, let's be honest. Like if you're here and you do you're watching this and you're like I believe in Jesus and and I think I have the Holy Spirit in my life. If you asked all the people around you to like watch you for a week or two weeks or a month and you said, was it obvious that I have the Holy Spirit? Like sometimes I'm afraid of what, if I did that experiment, what people would say. Because a lot of times I feel like I look like everybody else looks. So I want to show you something. Hopefully this makes a little bit of sense. I'm going to do a little bit of object lesson, so bear with me. Some of you, you may have seen this before. I feel like I may have done it at MCC, um, but I want to show it to you today as we're talking about the Holy Spirit to remind us of what's, what's happening here and what's going on. Close this up. Move this out of the way. Get out of here. All right. We'll say glasses of milk. That's us. All right. This is us pre-Holy Spirit pre-faith in Christ, this is, uh, this is who we are, all right? What happens then is the Holy Spirit, when we see who Jesus is, when he is working on our life enough to where we realize we are sinners, we are in need of God, we are in need of a Savior, we surrender our life to Christ, we get baptized, the Holy Spirit enters into our lives, that's great, and so that happens. So the Holy Spirit enters, how much Holy Spirit is, is enough, all right? We'll, we'll say that's good, okay? There's some Holy Spirit for this guy. This guy got baptized the next week. They're full. Both of them received full measures of the Holy Spirit. Hershey's, Her, HS, Holy Spirit. Both of them received full measures. And, and both of them had something happen that was invisible going into the inside. But here's the deal, like, from where you're sitting in your room, both of these, they just look like ordinary glasses of milk. Like, if I took another glass of milk and sat it beside that, you would go, yeah, that's just kind of a glass of milk. And that's what they look like. But what happens, and this is the point I'm trying to make here from the, from the side of the Holy Spirit, and what I want you to know about how he wants to work in your life, he wants to do invisible things before everybody else, and yourself included, will see the visible representation that he is actually moving and working in your life. Those invisible things are like taking walks in the woods and praying. They're doing the things that Jesus did, getting alone and being with the Father. They're they're getting into the Word of God. These are things that are not visible to anybody else, but these are the things that transform our life and make them look differently. Because here's the deal. When you think about it like this, In the same way that the wind came in, it moved into the room, and it was something that they could hear. They could not see the fire yet, and they could not see the wind as it was happening. And so when we do these things in our faith, they begin to be the things 
that actually stir the spirit within us, these invisible things. Because here's the deal. You can see the spoon moving above the surface, but below what is the life of the believer, you cannot see the spoon going around and round. You cannot see the spirit doing its work. But that's the only way that something becomes visibly different about us. If you're watching this and you're, you're not a Christian and you're doubting faith and, and you're like, hey, yeah, this thing, I, it just hasn't been for me. A big reason why I bet you may be doubting is because you've seen a lot of these kind of Christians. And I, I'll admit to you even right now, for a large part of my life, I was one of these kind. Who on the surface and to everybody else, I, I, most of my life looked exactly like the rest of the world. But church, I, I pray that you hear this. The world is desperate. People are desperate for, for a church who is like this, a church who is filled up, who's rich, who, who is something different than anything else that they have ever seen. This came and looks noticeably different. And so if, if we learn anything about the Holy Spirit, we've got to understand that his sound precedes his sight. And if we want to allow the invisible works of the Holy Spirit to happen in our lives, those are the only things that lead to us being any visibly different. And so I pray that maybe even this week, you start to do things differently when nobody else is watching. The next thing that we see happen in this in the story in Acts chapter 2 verse 4 is they all are filled with this Holy Spirit. So it's come and win. It's come and fire. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, it says, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The word for tongues there is this word, glossolalia. It, it literally means that they spoke in different languages as the Holy Spirit filled them us. And the thing that we learn about the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost from what happens right here is that God fills his people to accomplish his plan. That God fills his people to accomplish his plan because here's the deal. Jesus, before he ascended back into heaven, he said, go into all the nations, teach them to obey the commands that I've given you, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, go to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and, and tell people about who I am what I've done, and what I've now made available, this free entry into the family of God. He says, I'm going to give you this ability. And what's fascinating here, again, you've got to understand what was going on. It was this uh, Pentecost festival. And so people from all these different nations, all these different tongues, they're all gathered together in this one place. And God says, I want my gospel to be a multiplying thing. And so I'm going to, through the power of my Holy Spirit, enable these people to be able to speak in all these crazy languages that they've never, ever heard before. And I love what we see happen next. Verses 5 and 6, and we're going to even go all the way through 11 here. We see what happens. It says, Now they were staying in Jerusalem, and there were some God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, 
because each one heard their own language. So that's, that's what's drawing these people in. The, the, the apostles and the people who the Holy Spirit falls on in this moment, they're, they're beginning to speak in these languages that are not their own. And it's drawing people in because as they're speaking in these different languages, they're just not muttering the alphabet. They're not just going through the Pledge of Allegiance. They are proclaiming Jesus. And as they proclaim Jesus, as they lift him up, what happens is what Jesus called would happen. He says, if I would be lifted up, I will lift all men to him. All men, all tribes, all women, all tribes, all tongues, all nations. I will lift all people will come to me. Acts 7 and 8. It says, utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these who are speaking Galileans, which is kind of way of, their way of saying like, aren't these people like just redneck bumpkins like this these aren't these people aren't civilized isn't this just a bunch of galileans but somehow they're speaking not just in the different language but even with a unique dialect they're they are speaking it proclaiming like these miracles and wonders and mysteries of god that only scribes and pharisees could even teach before but now they're not only teaching the things that only the supremely educated people are teaching they're also teaching them in a totally different language they're flabbergasted verse 8 says then how is it that each of us hears in our native language? It goes on in verse 9 through 11. It says, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Ferga, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. What's cool about this verse right here, and again, I told you this a little bit last week. Luke is writing this. He's writing this to go to a guy who is essentially a, a wealthy man who had said, Luke, I want to know the truth about Jesus. Go investigate. Go get the facts. Go get the details. What's happening here in this big quote of all these people who are listed out, Luke is taking a direct quote from an eyewitness. It's as if he has a soundbite given, and he has it here for us to be able to see. And the thing that we learn about the Holy Spirit from what happens in these verses from 5 to 11 is one of the things that I'm most excited about is that he meets people where they are. He meets people where they are. He met every one of these people who had came to this festival, who may have already been like three sheets to the wind, a, a little bit of tipsy, that he meets these people right where they are in the midst of the festival, in the midst of them being displaced, not being in their home territory. The Holy Spirit comes and he meets people right where they are. And my prayer is that you understand right now that that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. That's what I saw him do in my life. I saw him meet me right where I was. As a kid who was bowing down, and even though I believed in Jesus, I didn't have this relationship with God as father. I believed in God, but I didn't know him as a father. And I, and I remember getting down on my hands and knees as, as an angry high school senior and, and pounding on my bed and begging God to bring my dad back into my life. And it was in that moment the Holy Spirit met me and whispered, God is your father. He loves you. He's here for you. He's never going anywhere. So I ask you, where did the Holy Spirit meet you? Where has he met you? What, what was maybe your bottom or your, your camp or that moment where scales fell off of your eyes? 
Where was it that he met you? And for those of you who are watching this, and maybe you have no faith in Jesus, I want you to know and I want you to understand that he is meeting you right now. He's using this stream. He's using this feed. He's using the random person who shared this to their Facebook to show to you that he is a God who says there's no mountain that, that you could climb up that I won't come after you. There's no shadow I won't light up. There's no lie that you've been told about who I am or who you are that I won't tear down. I will do whatever it takes not to fight against you but to fight for you until you are found. See, the Holy Spirit is meeting you where you are right now. And it's that undeniable thing inside of you that goes, something's not right. That curiosity that goes, when I die, do I just become dirt? Or is there something else? Now what I want you to see that we, we see in this story is that for the people who had the Holy Spirit encounter in this moment, in this day, the Holy Spirit didn't wait for things to go back to normal. I know that's what we're all after. We're all after, man, if things could just get back to normal and like we could go back to life. But here's the deal, I need to break it to you. Like normal wasn't as good as you think it was. And see, the Holy Spirit is great at meeting people in the midst of them wanting to go back to normal and doing something supernatural so that nothing can go back to normal. And that's what I've been praying he does in and through our lives. Because here's the deal. The Holy Spirit did not wait for them to go home before he made a home in them. And right now, in this moment, he wants to make a home in you. And my prayer is that you would invite him in. If you're here and you've You've never invited the Holy Spirit into your life if you've never put faith in Christ. The Bible makes it really clear that when we repent of our sins, which is us acknowledging that we have fallen short of God, we have fallen short of his standard. And here's the deal, man, you didn't need a Bible or a preacher like me to tell you that some of the things that you've done are wrong because you lied and you got caught and you felt shame. And that's what proves to all of us that we all have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And we all are in need of a Savior. Because none of us measure up. And so my hope and my prayer is that you would surrender your life to him. That you would say, Jesus, I cannot do this on my own. I want to be a part of this new family. I'm giving my life to you. I'm surrendering it to you. And I'm asking you to now take reign, take leadership, take ownership of my life. Allow your Holy Spirit to enter in. There's a group of people who, they were cut to the heart when they heard the word and, and they asked, what do we do? And, and, and Peter, the guy who we're gonna read about his sermon next Sunday, he said, repent and be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And for some of you, that is your next step. You need to be baptized. And I do believe there's actually an order to this thing. I do believe that baptism precedes the Holy Spirit. And most of the time, that's the way we see it in the Bible is that, you know, you get baptized, the Holy Spirit comes in. And I think some of us, we wonder, man, why do I not have this unstoppable force in me? Why is my faith so stoppable? Maybe the fact that your faith is so stoppable is you do not have the unstoppable thing of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And you don't have that inside of you because you've never taken that first step in faith and got baptized. And I invite you now to maybe make that decision. To say, I don't know when it would be, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I want to be baptized. There's a card, an online link you can click right there in the comments, right in the post description. 
If you want to get baptized, put your faith in Christ. Receive this free gift of the Holy Spirit. I invite you to do that now. Let's pray together. Jesus, for those of us who you have met, you have encountered, and you have changed radically, we thank you. For those of us who are listening, and we know we have, we have fallen short, and we need you, Jesus. I pray that my friends, my brothers, my sisters who are listening to this, that they would turn to you. That they would release all of the things that they've been trying to fill their lives with. That they would release the relationships, that they would release the substances, that they would release the addictions, that they would release the control of every little thing in every little situation, that they would release all the financial things, that they would release whatever it is that they're trying to fill their life with to get their sustaining source of. And they would say, Jesus, your Holy Spirit inside of me is my only hope. Come and fill this broken vessel that you have longed to be in all along. I pray that they would welcome you in today. In your name, amen. We're gonna celebrate communion now, obviously not with chocolate milk, but with uh, the bread and wine. So I invite you wherever it is that you're at to to grab the elements that, that you have prepared for you or your family. You know, uh, I look at this, this glass of chocolate milk and it reminds me of the simple fact that um, when you put something inside of something that is white, it's impossible for me to get that chocolate milk back to this. They're like, in the natural world, I can't unstain the molecules that the chocolate has affected. And the thing that's beautiful about the blood of Christ that he poured out on the cross is it does the impossible. For all the things that you've done, all the sins that you committed, all the things that have made you feel shamed, that made you feel dirty, that made you feel less than, that made you feel like you could never measure up to who you think God needs to be, I want you to know that because of the blood of Jesus, those sins can be washed white as snow and that we stand before God he doesn't look at us and see our sins he doesn't see you as a wretched sinner when God looks at us he sees his son's righteousness he sees the blood of his son that has been washing us to be whiter than snow and as we come into a time of communion we remember that blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins. And we remember this body that was broken and poured for the sins of all mankind. Let's taste and see that he
blood of Christ, the most powerful cleansing agent in the world for you and for me. As we've been talking about the Holy Spirit today, I would invite you even in this moment to just take a second and realize that the prayers I'm going to invite you even to pray right now, they are miraculous. The only reason that there is a God that hears our prayers is that the Holy Spirit is, is, is bridging that gap between heaven and earth so that the Father's ears can connect to the words that our mouths say. So thank the Holy Spirit. One of the other things you need to know about the Holy Spirit is He interprets even the groanings of our heart. Some of you today, there aren't even words that you can begin to express to the Father. There aren't even words you can begin to say to Jesus. There's groans and utterings. But I want you to know that the Holy Spirit knows what those really mean. He interprets those to the Father. And they hear those prayers. So be real, be honest. Take a second and be with Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for this time to gather around your word and gather around the table of communion. We thank you that you came and you filled a home so that our hearts could be your home. That you preferred people over a temple. We praise you for that. Fill us now in your name. Amen. Church, I want to as we close out today, to invite you again, if you're watching this and it's your first time, I would just say let filling out the, the Connect card uh, be your gift to us today because we'd love uh, to be able to have a gift given to you and be able to connect with you. Uh, you can do that now. Again, just another reminder on that. But for uh, those of you who are a part of MCC, your members or attenders of MCC, this is your home church. I invite you now uh, to participate in giving. You guys have blown my mind in the ways that you have been faithfully stewarding what God has given you. And I invite you to continue that today. Uh, there's going to be a link uh, or, a, or a, uh, a slide that comes up after I get done that's going to show you the ways you can do that, whether it's texting a number in, MCC Give, uh, to a number that's going to be on the screen, or even going online and doing that. I encourage you uh, to faithfully trust God with what he's given you today. Love you, church, and I'm going to see you soon.